On this episode of AV Spotlight, we sit down with an incredibly busy AV professional, James King. He works for Stockton, has a Slack channel of uh, AV professionals, AV technology managers, also on two or three podcasts, and uh, is in heavily involved in HETMA. So sit down, relax, and listen to AV Spotlight with James King. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Extron, industry-leading technology backed by world-class support. This is Tim Albright with an AV Spotlight, uh, taking a look at technology managers and the folks that are on the front lines of the AV industry. Uh, with me today is uh, a young man I've uh, watched and uh, we've talked back and forth, but I never had him on a, on a show, uh, Mr. James King from Stockton University. Welcome, sir. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. So one of the things that we do here is um, I, I call it kind of the basic introduction, and I'm going to have you say your official title because I don't think I could remember it, even if you give it to me in writing. Um, so, um, your, your official title at Stockton, um, and explain to folks a little bit about what, you know, um, what the, the, the college, the university experience is like at Stockton. So my official title is a professional services specialist too. Uh, it's a generic title, um, from the state cause we are a state un- uh, university, but, uh, my official role with the university is uh, managing all the classrooms, AV equipment. So from projectors, DSPs, all that stuff. I do, I'm the in-house programmer. Uh, so I do all the programming for the equipment. We also troubleshoot and install. We do probably about nine, I wouldn't say about 99% of the installs are done by us. Um, all the code is of course done by me. And, um, but yeah, it's we're a team. Right now, our team is probably two dedicated people. Uh, but then we have the help desk who help us out, and some other staff members who are able to help us out. But two dedicated AV people. Hey, I, I, w- I wanted to talk about your your podcast towards the end, but you mentioned the fact that you are the in house pod in house programmer. Um, and you and a really really dear friend of mine, Steve Greenblatt, you guys started a, a podcast where the two of you talk to each other and you it's called ask the programmer um you can find it wherever you find podcasts um talk for a second about the 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 differences between the being an in-house programmer and and uh, something that, that joe way has mentioned several times the in-house integrator right and we'll, we'll kind of get to that in a bit but how that kind of differs from what steve does and steve in, in control concepts is an independent programming house they will james you can hire them right i can yeah. hire them um, so an integrator can hire them. Um, Steve specifically, and, and Control Concepts specifically, they also make a lot of modules for manufacturers, so they have a, a kind of a different um, um, a business model at, at that end. But explain to folks, if they're not familiar, kind of that in-house programmer, that in-house integrator, as opposed to maybe you know kind of an outsider coming in. Yeah. Um, so first, thanks for dropping about Ask the Programmer. That is a project between Steve and I that, took off much quicker than we thought it would, and we're happy about it. Um, I actually wrote about what you're asking, and we actually did an episode about this. Um, An in-house programmer is 
the benefit of that, I would say, is we have a direct relationship with our end users, as you would know. Like, our faculty members, they they like things a certain way, where in, say, a corporate world, it may not make sense and would make sense to an outside person, but makes sense in our environment. Um, we did have a space that was, the equipment was being installed by an outside firm, but it was my code. So they wanted my code to test out the equipment, make sure everything worked. And their programmer looked at mine and goes, well, why are you doing this? Like the idea was um, our document cameras display on the projector and the local preview. And he's like, you don't need to show it on the local preview because you got the document camera right there. I had to explain to him, yes, that is true. Our faculty members prefer it on the monitor because they actually used to get confused saying it didn't work when it didn't show up on the monitor as well, even though it was working. So it was a, again, he understood in corporate world that, hey, yeah, we are looking at the document camera. You don't need it on the local preview. Our users prefer that. And that was a connection he didn't have, but we had. Well, that that actually comes back to you know um, listening to to the to the end user. And there's I, there 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 are certain phrases um, that that especially in the indus, in the AV industry, right? End user. Um, we're getting ready to, to come up and start start scheduling for for Infocom the show, right? And when James, if you go to Infocom in Orlando this year. Your badge is going to say education or end user, right? That's what it's going to say. Yeah. However, if I ask you, James, if you're an, are you an end user? Um, no, I would not exactly. say I'm an end user. Yep. Yeah, you're not an end user because you're not the one. Again, in in the education world, and I would say even in the corporate world, you're not the one who is physically touching the stuff on a daily day in and day out basis. You're the programmer, right? You're the specifier. Um, in in our world, and I say our world because. You know, I used to be a technology manager. We're technology managers, right? You're, you're a technology manager. That's kind of what you are and what you do. From the outside coming in, though, they don't have that connection, right? You're a client. You're a customer to an integrator, right? You're a customer to a manufacturer, right? And so from their perspective and their standpoint, you are an end user. How do we get that translation and how do we get over that hump when it comes to whether that's a manufacturer or it's a dealer or an integrator or whoever, to see you as something other than a quote unquote end user. I, I think that goes to relationship. Um, we always are talking about relationship and I feel higher edge tech managers are doing a better job as building that relationship and showing these integrator companies and manufacturers that Yes, we actually know what we're doing. Um, it used to come across that they didn't. Um, you had to have integrators come in and do things because tech managers were either not as versed in the AV world because you were an IT manager or the skills weren't there at that moment. Well, unfortunately, not unfortunate. Nowadays, we are just as educated, if not even more educated than some of these integrated firms and manufacturers. I feel here at Stockton, we have a great relationship with any integrated company we have used and our manufacturers. They, I don't feel I'm looked at as a end user. I feel I, I'm looked at as a colleague. Like they have actually looked at stuff I've done and be like, 
wow, you did this. So it wasn't more of, oh, you need to do this, blah, blah, blah. It's more of we have a good working relationship. I, I think I, I, I will head on what you said there. That takes relationships, right? That takes relationships for, for you, and you've developed that, and you, you've, you've kind of shown your skill set. Somebody who is brand new, right? Or, or you know, um, you know, if if either the the integrator or the manufacturer's rep is brand new, right? Um, I, I don't know about you, but the time that I was a technology manager, I had two or three different reps for you know, name a manufacturer uh, over the course of my tenure, and so they may not know me from anybody, right? I'm I'm just a brand new. I'm I'm on their list because the person previous to their role had me on their list, and so it would take a minute before. Um, before they really kind of got to know us and, and realize, you know, your skill set. Um, really quickly, it, as it, we actually need to back up a bit, cause, <laughs> cause, uh, but I, I found that fascinating. Um, how did you get involved in AV? How did you get involved in the industry? So I know everyone has their story of, oh, they fell into it, but they've always had some kind of connection, either music or theater. I didn't have that connection. I was actually dropped in AV. I wanted to be a network administrator. I was working IT. I went, I got my bachelor's in information systems. I got hired at the university to work on our telecommunication team. And I was working at the help desk as well. And the faculty staff help desk. So working on desktop computers and stuff. And then out of the blue one day, um, they had to do a, structure change and I got called up into the VP's office and told I'm no longer telecommunication I am now academic computing and I'm going to be doing classroom support now I did have some background in that already because I was a student worker so yeah. it wasn't completely new to me but again I had no formal training in AV I had, I didn't even know AV really existed like as it is now um to me it's still it but focus on the audio and visual <clears throat> side of it so i really say i was dropped into it and i actually think it's better for me i actually found something i enjoyed more than i did with the networking and i do get to use my networking skills and my telecommunication skills and my desktop skills but now I also get to, you know, play with DSPs and projectors and image size. So I never had that connection before, and but I'm glad I do now. You, you mentioned the fact that you, uh, you came from the IT background. Do you think that, that that's helped you as the industry has evolved because you have that IT, that IT foundation? Yes. I, I, people I talk to, I always say I feel it's easier for an IT person to pick up and learn the AV skills than for an AV person to pick up and learn the IT skills. Um, I do, I will admit there is specialty and there's art to AV that I'm still learning, especially in the audio world. Um, I haven't even really gotten into lighting world yet. So that's something I'm going to have on my back burner. But yeah, it's, I felt it was easier because really I came in and I didn't stumble too much. I was able to pick up the programming even before having formal AV training programming. I've heard that, that said before that it's easier for an IT person to pick up AV. 
Why do you think that is? Well, that would go back to my whole thing in that AV is IT yeah. um, without going too much into that. But it's because I think IT people, they have a – they're already in that technical world. They, they're troubleshooting. They're handling the stuff and their standards with IT. Now, AV is lacking in standards. They're improving that. But an IT person can take those standards they have learned and start applying them to the AV world. And it may not fit right away, but then they can adjust from there. Um, and I think that is what is beneficial. But also it goes back to relationships. Um, when I got put on the AV team, I still had a great relationship with our networking team and our help desk team and, and all these other teams at the university. I would remember being at a training thing and a couple of us are talking and I'll be like, all right, if you guys had to put a piece of equipment on your network, how long does it take? And the guy's like, oh, we got to put a ticket in the network team. And it takes like two, three weeks. I'm like, I pick up the phone and it's done in two minutes. And that's because of the, uh, and I, I will go back to this and actually something about you said, it, it comes back to relationships, right? And your relationship obviously with, with your team there internally, but it also goes back to the, the knowledge base that you already have, right? And again, you've demonstrated to your, to your IT team that absolutely. Yeah, having that knowledge and being able to talk the same language. Um, I do know like IT, are, they're territorial. So if you just came in and say, hey, I'm going to throw this Dante device on your network, make it work. They're going to go, no, go away. We don't want you here. Um, but we all have the same mission, we, especially in higher education. Yeah. Our mission is to educate our students. And so we're all here to do that. And the tools we use are to empower our faculty members and our students to get that education. So having that skill and that relationship with team members to make sure that you're not flooding your network I mean, person who's throwing AV equipment on the network needs to understand the potential that you're causing and what you need to do and be able to talk to your network administrator and your security admin or and your help desk workers who are working with your faculty's desktops who may want to display their software in your classroom. So this is a ongoing relationship, an ongoing team that you always got to be working together. Absolutely. That actually brings up our, our, our next question for James. Uh, what's kind of one of the biggest fails? What's one of the biggest um, you know uh, screw ups? Or it doesn't have to be the you know it doesn't have to be a Stockton. Could have been you know somewhere early in your career. But what's one of those those kind of you know um, stumbles that you that you not only learned from but but you you know teach other others from? So I, I think you hit it there. I I hate the word fail. Um, there's that saying: I either win or I learn. I don't mm -hmm. fail. Um, like you said, we always are learning from mistakes we make. It's how we recover from our mistakes. I've always tell student workers I'm working with is if you're not making mistakes, you're not trying hard enough because you're going to make mistakes. Yeah. Uh, it's how you recover. One mistake I did, and it was back in my program days before being at Stockton, I worked for a small company and I was creating a web form. I was a web developer for them, and I missed a line in my SQL code. I ended up changing every single one of our clients' passwords. So that was a mistake. That's where 
backups come up and we recover and we had no issues. We were able to recover the, that and everything was set and we were good. I learned right there, one, don't work on a production server. Even though I knew that already, it was kind of, I was rolling things out quickly. But You were in a hurry, it was Friday night or Friday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, only Fridays, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, we recovered quickly, no hiccups. But yeah, that was something I learned. And even here at Stockton, there was a, an issue. I knew that risk was there. And I was working on swapping out equipment because it had a temporary equipment in the room. And this goes back to being everything connected. But I saw that I took the proper steps to re, uh, stop the network from dropping out. But I put in a new piece of equipment. And all of a sudden, my phone started buzzing. I got alerts, equipment going offline, and then my phone started ringing, but people call me and going, what's going on with the AV network? I realized I did disconnect one thing, but not the other. So I was creating a loop into our network. We were recovering within two minutes. We were up going, not a big mistake, but to me, I was like, I was really mad at myself that I allowed that to happen. I should never let that happen. So I learned that you know, we take it slow, make sure everything is unplugged correctly and know the full workflow before you start putting new equipment in. Absolutely. And you start, you know, unplugging equipment. Yeah. Um, if you had, if you could talk, sit down with every manufacturer, maybe, you know, what we're doing here, we're recording you doing it. So, uh, and you could tell manufacturers, you could tell integrators, you know, what's one thing that, that they need to know about being a technology manager, about being kind of on the front lines of AV? Um, don't try to sell us. Listen. Um, it's more don't sell boxes. Listen to what's going on. Listen to our goals, our needs, and then we can come up with a plan from there. Everyone has a great new box. Everyone has this fancy light. But some, when we, again, when we're dealing with students and education, it may not be the fancy equipment that we need. We might just need a simple solution. And again, we need to save money. We need to keep costs down, but we need to improve our education to the students. So don't try to sell us boxes, sell us the solutions. Let me ask you a question because I've, I've had a couple of conversations with not just education, but also, you know, Fortune 500, Fortune 100 companies. How important is the latest, greatest technology versus? support or versus, um, you know, advanced replacement or you know, warranties and stuff like that. And there's a reason I'm asking this here, right? You know, yes, you know, you could have somebody, somebody very well may come out with a 16K projector in, in October, right? It's very possible. I'm not saying there is. I don't know anything. I'm not breaking NDA. Don't misunderstand here. <laughs> and that's fantastic. And maybe you need it, James, at it, Stockton, you, know, you need that 16K projector. However, the warranty is six months and the replacement time is three weeks, right? Yeah. So what's more important or, or, or what's the balance there? I shouldn't say what's more important. What's the balance there between kind of the service end of this, right? The warranty, advanced replacement, things of that nature, support from both integrator and manufacturer versus the latest, greatest whiz bang, you know, uh, Gazenta. I, I go back to the whole thing is really what the relationship, the service I feel is more important because if the thing's not working, um, for I heard this on another podcast and I kind of stuck with me and goes with me is we're 
teach in the future. Our, our students here are learning. If that equipment fails, they might be missing critical information that could help them down the line 5, 10, 15 years from now. For example, a doctor, someone studying in the medical field, and say they were having a lesson on anatomy of the body somewhere, and the projector dropped out, and they didn't get that image of what a tumor might look like in the uh, colon. And then they had a uh, patient that could have really used that information. That That's something could be missing. Um, so we need reliability more than that wow factor. We need to be able to make sure that our equipments are up and running, that our students are getting their education with little to no disruption. If you had a magic wand and could make anything in the AV industry happen, what would you do? So I really thought about this one um, when I saw this question. And I, I wanted to go, AV Nation, I think, did a really good job with Black History Month and Women History Month, those specials there. And hearing those stories, and I think having, if I had a want, to be able to make the industry and the society acceptable to everybody, well, that you're not, oh, you're a woman, or, oh, you're somebody of color. You're treating a person with respect. I've always brought up that way. You treat, no matter what, who it is, sex, gender, age, whatever, you treat them with respect, and you go from there. And I, if I had a wand, I think that what I would do. Uh, all right, James. As we wrap up here, when you uh, when you run around Stockton, what do you run around with? Is it a backpack? Is it a fancy smancy? Uh, is it a fanny pack? You know, what do you have? I have a book bag. Um, I actually got that from an old coworker here. He's always carrying his book bag around with tools. So I carry a book bag. Um, some of the stuff I carry around in there is I, I have a MacBook uh, Pro that I carry. Some screwdrivers, you know, tweakers to regular screwdrivers. We all love our tweakers. Um, and extra cables and wire cutters and zip ties. All right, that's a good. All right, James King, thank you so much. Uh, you can catch James, and I'm going to have him, you know, not only promote, uh, we, we mentioned the Ask the Programmer uh, podcast, but James is on a number of, of them as well, as well as a writer and uh, involved in HETMA. So how do people connect with you and find all the things that you're doing? Oh, yeah. As you mentioned, I'm, I'm a member of HEPMA, so definitely swing over to HEPMA.org learn about that. Um, I work with Steve Greenblatt on the podcast you mentioned earlier, as the programmer. It drops about every Friday. Um, so that we're on YouTube and any podcast platform out there. I'm also a crew member on AV Life with uh, Tim Bam Wharf as the host. I write for the Higher Ed AV Digital Magazine. I do a column in IT and AV. And I, if you work in higher education, reach out to me. I also run a Slack group just for higher education tech managers. And how many people are on that now? We're about 150 to 160. Yeah, I, uh, you, you and I talked about that, but also I know a number of people who are on that. Um, and, uh, you know, Bill O'Donnell is one that, that you know, he's, he's told me about. Um, some of the stuff that he's gotten out of that. And, and for those of us who are of, of a certain age, it's almost like a, a mail serve list, right? Where a list serve, um, where, you know, years ago, and this is good Lord, 20 years ago, um, you would get the ability to kind of communicate with folks. That was kind of like one of the first versions of Slack. This is a much better, much slicker version of that. 
Uh, but it's the same idea, right? Where you're able to ask questions unfiltered, <laughs> you know, in, information, unfiltered <laughs> opinions. Um, this is not a place for a manufacturer to go that has a thin skin. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Um, and you all aren't perfect, so don't give me that look either, right? Yeah. So you all got issues. Yeah. Um, so if they want to connect with you and, and get on that, again, you have to be a member of the higher education kind of workforce. How do they do that? Yeah, they can just reach me out on Twitter. My uh, my handle is AV underscore James King. And like we say, it's just for higher education tech manager. So we have a space that we can work with each other without being sold products and or we can talk freely if we need to. All right, James, thank you so much. Again, connect with him on, on, on Twitter for all of those areas you can find James. Uh, for us, go by our website, avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. Find this program and a host of others, including our other AV spotlights looking at uh, technology managers uh, and folks on the front lines of the AV industry. Also look at uh, AV Week, looks at the commercial side of the AV industry. I host that every single week, post on Monday. And I got a Matt Scott uh, host Resi Week, looks at the residential side of the AV industry. Also, while you're there, check out our sponsors. These are the hopes, folks that help us financially, help us bring you AV Week and Resi Week and AV Spotlight. So all that and more at avnation.tv. It's avnation.tv. 